What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson, and this is the Outlet Forum with my team co-host, Chris Camello. What's up, Chris? Gobble, gobble. I'm still digesting last week's turkey, my friend, so I guess I'm doing just okay for now. Hey, bro, them leftover days are over. If you are still eating leftovers... Five days more than 72. No, 72 hours now. 72 hours. That's that's how long you got until Monday. Okay. You got Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. If Monday morning comes and you still eating some cranberry sauce or some actually, you know, sweet potato pie. If you got any desserts, mm. desserts are five days. Yeah. Hard food, mashed potatoes, yeah. turkey, ham. That that's all. I'm just kidding. I got rid of food. everything on Sunday. I took your three-day rule seriously. Well, the NFL, the NBA, and even the MLB don't sleep even for Thanksgiving. We got a whole lot to get into, especially with the in-season tournament. Who you got, what matchups are going on, and who is going to Vegas in the semifinal. We'll get into that. And the Warriors, they collapse again on the road against the Kings. And how likely is an Aaron Rodgers comeback Looks like he's just now starting to practice. We'll get into all of that and more, Chris. But we got to start off with the Golden State Warriors. What's going on with them? Because they they started off the season hot, six and two, ready to go, rocking and rolling. Clay wasn't playing great, but better than he was towards the middle of last year. Steph Curry was doing his thing. The Warriors got off to a great start. Then Draymond gets suspended couple guys get hurt Andrew Wiggins <clears throat> can't hit the broad side of a barn his yeah. shooting percentage goes ways da- goes way down Chris what do you make of the Warriors are can we say that this is really the end of their dynasty because can they really put together a championship season in the midst of all this what do you make of their team and I'll ask you on the back side of that as well I think a little bit of it has to do with the Kings just being an absolutely dog of a team. What do you make of it? Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good place to start. I mean, give Sacramento credit. They fought back. Uh, the, the, the Warriors were up 24 in that game. And all of a sudden, Sacramento just came roaring back. Like this was, this was almost a continuation of what we saw in last year's first round series, where both teams were just going at each other. You have the, the establishment. You have the champs. You have the four-time champs in the Golden State Warriors with arguably the greatest backcourt in the history of basketball, the greatest shooter in the history of basketball, one of the great coaches of the last generation. And you see a team like the Kings, former Warriors assistant. He's got a young squad, a very talented big man in in DeMontis Sabonis, one of the quickest, most explosive guards in De'Aaron Fox. They have assembled a really solid roster behind those guys. Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, who was the hero, an off-balance bank shot over Wiggins. Are you kidding me? Lucky shot, by the way. Lucky shot, as Vladi ex-king Vladi Divac would say, but you know what? It still counts the same, Chaz. My point being is Sacramento is a team on the rise, whereas a team like Golden State has hit their plateau and actually starting to go like Dan. I think they're going down that mountain a little bit. Here's the problem with uh, Golden State. One, first of all, they, they had two injuries that occurred on Mon- on Tuesday night. Chris Paul, nerve injury, lower leg, same stuff, different year, 
right? Day with, to day. With CP3, day to day, but let's be honest, it, it wouldn't be shock anybody if he misses at least a week, maybe two. Gary Payton Jr. is now going to be out, or Gary Payton II is going to be out for the foreseeable future. He's out indefinitely with a- Calf injury. With, yeah, I think it's a torn calf, to be quite honest. So that's that's. A oh, I thought, it was, I thought it was just strained. It's torn? I, I heard part? indefinitely, so you may want to check on that, but I know it's a pretty serious hey, calf no. injury. So here's the thing. They didn't improve the roster much over the offseason, right, outside of trading Jordan Poole. Uh, they let a lot of other key contributors over the last two years go, and they haven't really done a good job replacing those guys, banking on guys like Moses Moody, who showed up on Tuesday night, did a good job. He, he shot the ball well, hit a lot of clutch jumpers on a night where Clay was struggling in the second half. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga has had a better start to the year, but there's just something missing from this team. And between three or four of their guys struggling, the lack of size, these young guys not really owning the moment yet, like Kaminga and Moody, at least not consistently, this is why that they're in the position that they're in. Treading water, sub 500, and a team like Sacramento is, they're trying to prove we're not, we weren't a fluke last year. We are here, we are coming. And, and we're going to have to be dealt with. So, yeah, and, and Clay Thompson is a big part of this, Chaz, because they don't have, if Wiggins isn't stepping up, the young guys aren't stepping up. We know Draymond has been declining for a while now, at least offensively. Moody, Moody had a good game. He had a good game, but I'm talking about consistently. I'm talking bigger picture. Yes, Moody did have a good game. But if you don't get enough from the other Splash brother and you don't get a, enough from Wiggins, there's no Jordan Poole to kind of give you a spark like there has been in recent years. This team is going to have a lot of issues, and I'm not even sure if a trade is enough to address the problems that they have, because there's a, there's just too many to break down. No, it's not. And I've I, we've I've said this before. We had this. I think the first or second episode of the season, we had a whole segment talking about how Clay isn't who he was prior to the uh, the Achilles and the ACL injury. There, he's just not, and that's okay. But we can't expect him to play at the level that he was playing at. But at the same time, he can't be asking for the same money that he was getting paid at that time as well. It's been reported that he's in these contract negotiations currently with the team. A lot of guys refuse to negotiate during the season. Clay, on the other hand, is in the last year of a contract. And if he wants to stay a Golden State Warrior, which he clearly does, and I believe that they want to keep him as well. Sure, yeah. you got to keep him for the right price. But you're, if you're only averaging... 15 points a game and shooting less than 40% from the field mm -hmm. and less than 35% from three, yep. how can they justify paying you $35 million a year, mm -hmm. which is what they're paying him this, this year. So it just doesn't make any sense from uh, um, an economic perspective. And they have no point. choice, but to have him as the number two option right now, who else can be a number two scoring option for each has moreover than that defensively and turnovers wise is where they always have had, their strong suit like turnovers have always been their Achilles heel, but they've been able to overcome it because of the amount of shot making that they have and good defense, perimeter defense, interior defense because of Draymond communicative defense. But I just think that the Warriors are, are just, you know, are aging and they're just not good enough to where Draymond can get suspended three times in seven months. Like he has this time in the last five games, the time when he stepped over on Sabonis's chest in the playoffs and when he got suspended or missed a few games uh, internally because the Warriors decided to internally suspend him for punching Jordan Poole. Even though he didn't miss any regular season games, he was gone 
for a couple of weeks in the preseason. So you're missing time and guys keep saying over and over, we got you Draymond, but you can't keep towing the line, stepping over the line, knowing where the line is and saying, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I shouldn't have done that. Well, you said that three, four times before that. And the comment that he said about being charged for his sins from before, like you can't keep suspending me for stuff that I've already been suspended for. I paid for that, but you're a repeat offender. Yeah. You can't sell drugs and then sell drugs again. And then no one's going to cut you in slack. Oh, I shouldn't be sentenced because you've already gotten caught before. No, no. And I'm, I'm not equating this. There's going to be people out there that are going to equate, selling drugs to getting a technical found the NBA. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm but the principle of it is you can't do something and say, oh, I paid for that already you're, when you're a repeat offender. So More importantly, no one's going to cut you the slack and you're going to be on a shorter runway than anybody else. Exactly. And and an even bigger picture than that, they're aging and the Kings are just better than they were last year, even though they're a player or two away, a vet player or two away from really being – put over the edge and being finals contenders in the Western conference to go toe to toe with the nuggets, because the Lakers are clearly may not be there. If they don't get their act together in terms of consistently, they have enough players, but also the Suns with Bradley Beal, they need to get right. And there's a whole lot of teams that need to get right as well in terms of maturity. OKC is better, but they're not there yet. Minnesota is much better. Still not there just yet until they get rid of cat and really make errors the, the guy guy. There's a whole lot of teams, but I just think that it goes back to the Warriors just aging and everybody catching up with them at the same time as Draymond not being able to get his head out of his ass at the same time as Klay Thompson not being able to get into his group, group consistently because Father Time is catching up to him. Even Steph Curry, even though he's playing great, just isn't good enough to carry those two other guys in decline as well as other guys who aren't as good like Moses Moody and, and Kaminga who just haven't stepped up quite just yet almost to no fault of their own because they just haven't gotten the the time or the minutes that Steve Kerr has given them but I think the Kings are just the real deal holy field and there's just so many other teams that are great OKC and I'll say this and I'll give it back to you OKC this year is exactly what the Kings were supposed to be last year. Mm-hmm. OKC is going to the playoffs this year. Yep. And if they get a good draw, they'll win a first round series. They'll be even better than where the Kings were last year and possibly even this year because I don't see the Kings making a trade because they just don't have enough assets to do so. I, yeah, I, I, I would say easy on the assets thing um, because they do have a few pieces that they can make work. Um, you know, the Chris Duarte still has some value. You got Harrison Barnes's contract. He just re-upped with the team. I don't think it, it it's going to hold as much value as maybe as it was as an expiring deal, but those are still some good assets to have where, yeah, you may, you may not be able to drastically change the squad unless of course, maybe you, you throw in a Kevin Herter. Maybe you don't forget Malik Monk, I believe is on an expiring contract. So I know he's a big part of that team. I don't think Sacramento would move him, but if things were to go another direction, if you have an opportunity, because they, Chaz, they've already been linked to guys like Zach Levine and OG Ananubi. So if they want to make a move, they can make this work or bring in a third team to make it work. Uh, But yeah, I think Oklahoma City is going to be this year's Sacramento Kings. 
We'll see. I, I don't want to tap into the Josh Giddy situation uh, until we know more information. But the only reason why I bring that up is that could be a potential distraction. And for a young team who hasn't had a lot of experience and now starting to deal with the expectations, a little bit more spotlight on them, that could be a big test to see how, how do they handle this internal adversity and can they overcome it uh, or, or can they keep it from being a distraction an off-the-court distraction now trickling to their on-court play. That's going to be the, the big the big question for, for the Thunder. But, yes, I agree. That team is and definitely really a quick, playoff team. Go ahead. Really, really quick for context, for those of you guys that don't know, Josh Kitty is being allegedly reportedly involved with another underage girl who was 19 at the time, and it's being reported that the families are not cooperating to give law enforcement the information that they need to resolve the matter. So that's why – it yeah. might drag out and it might be a distraction. I don't think it will be, but it's when the police are involved and people aren't cooperating, it could drag out and it could be a distraction. So no doubt. that's for yeah. those of you that don't know what's going on with Josh Giddy of the OKC Thunder. For sure. It, absolutely. And that's a good point. By the way, it's in our own backyard, Jazz, Newport Beach, Newport Harbor High School. I mean, it's oh, I, I, I know you lived in the OC, so. You know how air, that area is. It's very affluent, uh, and and people with juice. Kobe lived in Newport. I, I I think Vanessa probably still lives out there now with the with with their daughters. So, uh, you know, I I hope it's nothing crazy. But at the same point in time, these are all allegations. I think everybody, the NBA, the police, everybody is getting is sorting things out. And I don't want to dive too deep into that, just because there's just a lot we don't know. But what I will say is the distraction. Can that be a distraction that now keeps Oklahoma City from reaching their end goal, which is going to the playoffs and potentially challenging teams like the Suns, the Warriors, the Lakers, the Clippers, the, the defending champion Denver Nuggets? You know, uh, you know, could, could there be another team also on on the rise? You know, look at uh, New Orleans; they're playing really good. They're going to the in season tournament uh, quarterfinals. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot there, uh, but bigger picture on everything. This is in-season tournament, Chaz. In the words of Larry David, pretty, pretty, pretty good. Pretty, hey, you pretty like it, good. huh? You know look, what? Look. It's the players are buying in, and if the players are buying in, the fans are going to buy in, and it, that's good for everybody. That's good for it's, TV. It's good for networks. Good for the fans. Good for media. It's, it's just hard not to when you put money, jerseys, new hardwood floors, special broadcasts extra incentive as far as money penalties for not being able to play on these certain nights as well. Yeah. Like the NBA said with the, with the memo over the summer, meaning, you know, if star if guys or star players aren't playing in major games, national TV games, there's going to be fines. There's going to be hell to pay. Yeah. When you have all of that going in together and then you put a big trophy in front of guys as well, you just got to get natural juices going. So the Lakers, on one hand, are 11 and 8 and get blown out by Philadelphia by 40 plus points, but then bounce back, but then bounce back against Detroit the next game and have won all four of their in-season tournament games by a margin combined of 76 points, which is the yep. best in the entire league. But somehow there's a team like the Indiana Pacers who are a much improved team, but they snuck in there and they won their group. The Knicks, on the other hand, are playing 500 basketball barely, but they are into the in-season tournament. And the Milwaukee Bucks, 
yeah. got off to a slow start, but they win their group as well. And Bradley Beal still hasn't seen the floor, but somehow the Phoenix Suns go three and one in their group and they face off against the Lakers next week for a chance to go to Vegas. The Kings take care of business against the Warriors and somehow the Pelicans are playing yeah. great without CJ McCollum, who made his debut this week, played great beat. Uh, I believe the set Philadelphia 76ers without Joel Embiid uh, and they're in the knockout stage. No one's, no one's playing well. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I, I love that. I love the idea. I love a lot of what the NBA has come up with, whether it be uh, the changing right. of the scoring in the all-star game or whether it be, you know, the different games or stuff that they put on for all-star weekend. You know, I don't like the dunk contest the way that it's, it's done now, but, for the most part, I agree with a lot of the stuff the NBA has done. And this is one of them. The, the play-in tournament, I was on board with that because that just, just gives us more games, more action. And the same thing with the in-season tournament. These games that we would have in November would be absolute snooze fests for people that have no real fandom to the NBA. If you aren't waiting for the NBA in July and August, then you're not going to be ready to watch it in November and December until after Christmas. So the fact that these games have a little extra juice, you have star players actually playing and not sitting out. It's coming down to the wire. The Miami heat without Jimmy Butler and Tyler hero gave the Milwaukee bucks with Dame and Giannis all they and can Middleton, handle yeah. going down to the wire. So I just love the fact that we're getting some great games and but one last one last thing about it, I thought that there would be teams like young teams that would be in it, and the old teams and the vet teams and the established teams wouldn't take it as serious. And it's the exact opposite. Well, in Giannis, the East, though, hold on, Indiana, they they got in New York, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, but the the Knicks have veteran players, Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, but they're not established, but, though, Chaz. They're not. Established. I mean, they're. Everybody who's in the knockout stage, except for two teams, were in the playoffs last year. And I would make the argument if the Pelicans didn't lose Zion, they'd be they would have been in the playoffs. And the only team that got it in would be the Pacers. So every team that's in here, the Bucks, the Suns, the book, uh, the, the Boston Celtics, the Kings, like we just talked about, giving the Warriors all that they could handle. Yeah, these are all ve- veteran teams that could very well not only win the in-season tournament, but well, win the, na- win the not national championship, but the NBA championship. Sure, yeah, and I think the league kind of likes it like that. Well, first of all, this whole thing was about incentivizing, giving these teams, lighting basically, it's the equivalent, Chaz, of putting a lighter underneath your rear and being like, okay, let's get these guys motivated because you're right. A lot of these games in November and early part of December, they are snooze fest. I mean, on the one hand, either people don't care or they're overreacting as if to say, trade everybody, get rid of this guy, get rid of, oh, hold on guys, we're still in November. We got a ton of games left. We've got a ton of time left. And we've and, and if anyone hasn't been, been paying attention in recent years, there are times where teams could like the Lakers last year or like the Celtics two years ago, 500 or below 500 teams that go on a run and carry that all the way to the conference finals or the finals. So I'm not saying what happens now or in December doesn't matter, but when you have something like this, it motivates everybody. There's the cash incentive, there's, there's the floor, and it's just like, you know what? Let's get up for this a little bit. Why not? 
Why not get up for it? But yeah, you're right. At the end of the day, it was the Milwaukee, the Lakers, um, you know, the Phoenix Suns, who people got high expectations for this year, uh, the Celtics. Uh, it's it, you know, I, a lot of these teams. Really, the only team that was probably a surprise was maybe Indiana, maybe you know. But would, there were other teams that played well enough to get in. Brooklyn played well enough to get in. Orlando played well enough to get in. I mean, to the quarter. Or, so and Orlando and Orlando is currently the three seed in all of the Eastern Conference, and somehow yeah. doesn't get in. I have. So let me just suggest hold on one suggestion. Get rid of the point differential thing. That okay. way teams don't get I was get just about to go there. Go ahead. What, what, okay, so what would you include? So obviously the idea, you can tell that the idea that they came from with this in-season tournament was with Premier League Soccer and what they have is goal differential, right? Yeah. But you can't, there's only so many goals that are being scored per match right. on the pitch, whereas how many points are being scored on the floor in the NBA. Mm-hmm. That differential would be you know, instead of eight or nine or five or six, it's 40 or 70, or you haven't in cases where the Boston Celtics are up 30 trying to win by 40 in order to, you know, and hacking Andre Drummond. That's the only thing that I think that's pretty visible and evident that they need to change because it fundamentally changes the way you play a normal basketball game. Sure. Like if, if, if it, compromises the integrity of the actual game itself and the way it's played then that's something you got to change here's what i would tweak um i think candace parker touched on this on inside the nba instead of the point differential just so nobody gets embarrassed and you don't sully the game fans at at a 25 point deficit don't want to see andre drummond shooting free throws in the middle of the fourth quarter and mucking up the game so this is what you do you take it or or it's like, oh, Golden State, they got to win by a certain amount. Well, I mean, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> this is not how this works. I mean, especially with all the three-point shooting that goes on in this game, you know, a lot of times these teams will get hot late and an 18-point uh, deficit or, or, yeah, it ends up you only won by five or six. So this is what I would suggest. Start it off by records. Who, If there's a tie, best record within your division. And if that's a tie, best record within the conference. That's what I would suggest. That would those should be the, that should be the tiebreaker. I would go conference then division. Okay, well, tomatoes, tomatoes. Point is, you're doing it by the standings. That's and fine why, too. And why aren't the best teams in it though? Like you know, like n- none of these teams, like Denver. Like I feel like Denver should be in it. They're like they're sure. n- the n- number one overall seed yeah. in the entire NBA. I believe. I, I, or, I don't I don't disagree with actually, that, but I mean it's well, it, this is what anymore, look, look at Orlando. Say you just proved my point with Orlando. Like Orlando should have got in. I understand they're not the defending champs, but still at the end of the day, the NBA still got what it what it wanted. Milwaukee's in it. Boston is in it. Lakers, Suns, even the Pelicans are really fun to watch, and the Kings are fun to watch. So yeah, yeah the, the Warriors aren't in it. I agree. Miami, what was the other team you said? The the Nuggets. Um, yeah, they're not in it. The Clippers, but I mean, the Clippers are dealing with their own issues. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it does incentivize and it forces you to take these games a little more seriously, which I think the Lakers did. Lakers played their best basketball with the exception of the win against Detroit and Memphis in this in-season tournament. Yeah, and it's crazy to look at the regular standings as, as opposed to the in-season tournament standings. It's, this is the first time that I've actually looked at them in detail uh, in preparation for this show. And the fact that one through six or one through seven in the West is separated by three games and one through uh, seven in the East is separated by four games. I know it's a small sample size and only less than 
20 games have been played in this season, but you can already tell that it's going to be pretty jumbled up at the top. And, you know, guys and teams are going to get their separation uh, as the season goes on. And, you know, probably by the end of Christmas or or at the end of next month, you really start to see some separation between the top six teams in each conference and then the playing teams and then the teams that are just, you know, racing towards the bottom. So I'm really interested to see what it's what it's going to look like with the in-season tournament and then after it's played is there going to be a lull in energy are guys gonna you know not give as much effort i'm really interested to see what happens on the other side but you know what chris there is somebody else that might be coming back Mm. and i'll tell you on the other side of this break you know what here's the going for it and being terrible Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. To giving it your all. Even though you kind of suck. But you know what doesn't suck? (laughs) Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the Outlet Forum. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to download and follow all our shows on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. Of course, we're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Drop a comment. Let's get that dialogue started. You could also see select clips from this show and other shows on our YouTube page at the Outlet Forum. And be sure to follow us on our social media pages at the outlet form that's at the outlet form on ig and twitter so Chaz, uh before we yo, yo. move on from the hardwood to the gridiron i thought we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention the three and a half billion dollar elephant in the room and that is mark cuban selling the majority shares of the dallas mavericks that he has owned for the past 23 going on 24 years to the Adelson family, I believe they are casino tycoons, for $3.5 billion. $3.5 billion. And by the way, Mark bought the Mavs in 2000. The last place Dallas Mavericks, it had become a desolate, it was a desolate wasteland at the time for $285 million. So I, it, Chaz, I'm not a mathematician, nor do I play one on TV. But I would say that's a net profit of what about three point two bill. Yeah, my man. Ever take mm. making mm. it do what it do. That's a solid investment. That's why he's on Shark Tank. That's why he's known as one of the shrewdest businessmen in America, and that's the reason why he's a great owner in the NBA and is pushing the game forward. So shout out to Mark Cuban. Shout out to him for having the foresight to be able to even get this deal done. Yeah, um, to be able to. 
not very often can you sell the majority of the stake and still keep the control at the same time. That's somebody that is buying the franchise that sees the vision and what you have with the franchise, but wants it so bad, but wants you to run it because they don't want to screw it up the right thing. So yeah. Shout out to Mark Cuban for making another boss ass move for the Dallas Mavericks in the city of Dallas. And it's like, Hey guys, I'm not going anywhere. I'm still running things. They're going to just sit back and collect. They're going to, we're going to execute this vision together. And Chaz, this is something interesting. This is the third time an NBA team has sold a majority of their shares over the last couple of years. Jordan did it with the Charlotte Hornets. Obviously we know about the Robert Sarver situation uh, earlier, earlier this year uh, with, with, with him selling the team out of necessity because he was forced to, but I mean, a lot of changing of hands. I mean, it's just stupid money that's being put out there, but also to the net profit that Jordan and Cuban have taken home and even Robert Sarver as well. That is just insane, man. It just goes to show you, you, you get in and you could get out with a whole lot, even that's, yeah. That's why you see guys like LeBron and Shaq fighting over the team that's going to go in Vegas and whoever else <laughs> that wants to gonna, that's going to get a team up in Seattle. They know once you get in, it's a cash cow because the NBA has marketed their business to be an everlasting one, kind of like the NFL. It's kind of almost untouchable in that realm. So shout out to the NBA, shout out to Adam Silver, and shout out to the ownership group, and shout out to us as consumers and you guys that are listening to this podcast and this show right now that love the NBA and sports so much. And speaking of the NFL, Mm. there's a major player in the NFL by the name of Aaron Rodgers, who reportedly is eyeing a comeback and spoke on the Pat McAfee show on ESPN this week. Here's what he had to say about going back into practice and being put on the 21 day activation list to return to practice to possibly play in a game for the rest of the season. Take a listen. Well, I think it's it's always been uh, first, am I healthy? And then uh, are we alive? Are we in it? Are we playing uh, good enough to make a run? Can I step in and, and protect myself and play at the level that I feel like I'm capable of playing? Um, but the first part is, is the health. So can I uh, protect myself? Can I move around the way I want to move around? Um, so there's... There's a natural progression here to the rehab, and um, you know that's going to involve actually getting back onto the field um, to start to do some things uh, that are more football related. Uh, um, but again, we're we're still we're not we're not where I can make a decision uh, on on playing because I'm just uh, health wise I'm I'm improving steadily, but I'm not. Uh, in uh, the ability to play at this point. So Chris, that's exactly what I'm talking about, man. He's, I've been saying it all along. He has to make sure that he can protect himself. That's the main thing. I don't give a damn if you could take a five-step drop, three-step drop, if you could spin the ball 60 yards, if you could hit an out hitch, if you could throw the ball across your body while scrambling away. Can you scramble away fast enough to not get hit? Is your Achilles fast enough or your quick twitch muscles working enough to where you can, I don't know, get away from Leonard Floyd without planting your leg the wrong way and it's snapping or reverberating off the turf, causing your Achilles to rupture or tear? Like, that's what I'm most concerned about with Aaron Rodgers. I'd love to see him play, but that's there's also the 
the incentive of the team. Like, at what point are you going to rule out a comeback because the team just hasn't been able to hold their stride long enough because they've lost four straight games to the Chargers, the Raiders, the Bills, the Dolphins. They got the Falcons coming up. They got the Texans and C.J. Stroud playing hot. They got the Dolphins again in Miami this time. I mean, what are you going to come back for? The Browns and the Patriots on the road just to see if you could possibly get into the playoffs? I don't have this team making the playoffs, even if they did have Aaron Rodgers from this point moving forward. If they could have at least split the last four games, they may have had a chance. But with the record being four and eight, there's no chance, even if they went out for the rest of the season. The AFC is just too good. Yeah. What well, about you, Chris? Do you, you make know, it realistic? I, I agree. And I think there's two uh two aspects here. One, and I think you kind of touched on both. Uh one of one is is the team good enough where I'm coming off the most serious injury, not just of my career, but of any athlete's career. Let's be honest. You hear ruptured Achilles, you're thinking 12 to 18 months. Given his age, 39 years ru- old. I don't mean to cut you off. It wasn't ruptured. It was torn. Okay. To, it it was correct. torn. Okay. Torn. Like, not like ruptured. ruptured is Kobe status, like yeah. off the bone. Off like. the bone. Exactly. Which a lot of times it's the terminology and how it's put out there. Ruptured to, uh, to, to torn. Yes. Still a very True. serious injury. One of the, one of the more serious injuries that and a torn ACL is probably one of the worst that, a, that an athlete can, can suffer. So for him to be able to even entertain coming back, right. It's, it's, it's a very um, unique situation and only Aaron Rodgers could have this type of situation where it's like, ah, you know, maybe I could come back. I've been doing all this unique therapy and this and that. And it's, it's now got Jets fans like, Hey, can a rod come back and save our season? Because it has been, like you said, horrendous quarterback play from Zach Wilson to Tim Boyle. They brought in Trevor Simeon. I don't know why they didn't even attempt to look at Carson Wentz uh, when they had the chance to, but uh, the quarterback play, it held water for a few weeks, Chaz, and then it, that that boat quickly sank. And I don't know if even Aaron Rodgers can pull a Jack Lane and tie a rope to that boat, put the rope end on his teeth and swim this boat to shore. I just don't think he can uh, right now. But I will say this, it is it is pretty interesting. And I'm wondering, will A-Rod decide the long, whatever's left of my career, it's best off resting rehabbing in a full off season and then getting back at it next year. Because even if I come back, not only will I get hurt again, I might not be enough to save this sinking boat. You know, just like go back to the Dodgers real quick. Walker Bueller, right? Coming off Tommy John. A lot of times it's 12 to 15 months, although he made tremendous progress. He even did a minor league rehab assignment. Everyone thought he would at least come back as a reliever. What did he decide? Nope. I got to shut it down. Now Bueller's obviously at a different point in his career. He wants to get a big contract. So he didn't want to risk injury and then leave millions of dollars on the table. Rodgers is not at that point. I get it. But still, uh, you also want to play potentially one more season, one more full season and not have to come back. And then if you get hurt again, these final you know four or five weeks, then what? What happens for next year? You really kind of right. screw the Jets over all the way, all the way around. But it is a good, it I'm- is fun to talk about. Not going to lie. I'm thinking about his career, to be honest with you, man. Me too. Imagine Clay Thompson being at, 
I don't know, the age that he is now and having back-to-back injuries like he did with the ACL and the Achilles. And the Achilles, that's yeah. Kind, DeMarcus that's Cousins. Kind of, yeah. But even he wasn't as old as Aaron Rodgers is or at the point of his career where he is now. No, but Aaron I'm saying Rodgers, the back-to-back injuries, yeah. If Aaron Rodgers comes back too early and goes through another season-ending injury to where he won't even be able to play all of next year because he came back too early this year, right. that could end his career. Sure. So to where he never wants to play again because the rehab is just too much. And he doesn't want to go out like that. Years. Yeah. But he's not going to want to, but he might, he might have to because he hears stories about Drew Brees, who mm-hmm. has retired two years and can't even lift his arm above his shoulder to play football with his kids <laughs> who love football. He has four boys or something like that. Yeah. Crazy. I believe mm-hmm. it is. So, no, I mean, and, and, and he just said that recently in a revelation. So you got to think about these things, man. And I would just hate to see him not be able to play a full season in a Jets uniform. Throw this season away. You're two games out of last place. You're two games away from being the equivalent of the New England Patriots. And they are hot garbage who lost to the New York Giants, who are also equally hot garbage as well. So. You well, might as well tank at this point. They're act- yeah, they're actually the same as the Jets at this point. So, honestly, I think Rodgers should should shut it down. But I think it's cool to give his team a, maybe a little juice. Yeah, if he's on the field, spinning the ball, good for the team, good for social media, good for good talk around the team, stuff like that. I get it from that perspective, but don't get people's hopes up with the fake comeback like Melo did in. That last game, I believe it was for uh, whose last game was it? Dwayne Wade's when LeBron and Melo in CP3 and Melo jumped on the court real quick and thought he, everybody thought he was going to take a shot. Real quick. Uh, no, I got you. Yeah, don't don't do one of those. I, just call I, it a, just call it a season yeah. and come back strong next year. And in the meantime, the Jets can you know the worse they do, Chaz, the better pick that they're going to get, and they could actually get somebody potentially draft a quarterback. Let Aaron Rodgers properly mentor them, and hopefully they could have a sort of an heir to the throne that actually makes sense. I never really bought into the Zach Wilson hype. I thought you're taking a kid from the sticks in BYU and throwing him into the big city in a legacy franchise like the Jets. Good luck. And it's completely floundered. I mean, the whole thing with Zach Wilson, and we'll move on after this point. I just want to point this out. You knew the writing was on the wall when that story came out about him hooking up with his friend's mom. You just knew that was a bad omen right there. Funny story, Stifler's mom, we talked about it on the show a few times uh, last season, but (laughs) there it is. But it also showed you that maybe this guy isn't as serious about football as we think. And given the lack of skills, the lack of size, you know, the lack of consistency... It's, I actually, yeah, I actually disagree. I think he's given it all he's fucking got, and he's just not good. I'm enough. talking about early in, yeah, this season he has. I'm talking about in previous years. Previous I'm just years. saying. I'm just saying in general. I think you've got. I think the Jets have got a good look at Zach Wilson, and there's a reason why Tim Boyle is starting because they know that Zach Wilson isn't a better option, and they got to at least see what Tim Boyle is all about for the rest of the season. You might as so, well. Yeah. Shout out to the Jets. Shout out to the Carolina Panthers as well. Oh. 
who are the worst team in the league and don't even own their first round pick this year because they decided to trade to, to trade a, away uh, or trade. Yeah, they tried. They tried to trade. They decided to trade away DJ Moore, and it just it just has not worked out well for the Carolina Panthers. They are one and ten, and they just fired their coach Frank Wright, who may not have been the right guy in this position for the job in the first place. Yeah. You got David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, coming out and answering questions and revealing to us that they actually had C.J. Stroud picked on their board. But until the Bears came to them with the offer that they did, that's what forced them to have to trade, make the trade, and then go get Bryce Young because now they have the number one pick. It's just a whole mess. It's a mess. Chris, and what it- do you make of the Carolina Panthers? Can they – salvage this some way somehow and who's really the big winner in all of this in terms of the race toward the bottom for the number one pick oh it's definitely the bears you just answered that question it's the chicago bears they are loving what's going on in carolina because not only now you know their season might not i mean they're probably still gonna miss the playoffs no question but their season might still end on a on a higher note where it's like you know what we might have something next year because it's been really, you know, you take away that Justin Fields injury, they might still, they might be in the playoff mix right now. They've looked pretty good these last couple of weeks. I mean, barring a, barring a miracle finish by Jared Goff and the Lions, this would have been two straight games. They're at least maybe in the hunt. I, I think it's a little late for them at this point, but who knows? I've, I've been wrong before. So yeah, they are the biggest winners out of this. Going back to Frank Reich, I've always liked Frank Reich. I think he did a phenomenal job under Doug Peterson with the Philadelphia Eagles. He got the best out of Nick Foles. I mean, how many how many teams could actually say we won a championship against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in the New England Patriots dynasty with the backup quarterback? Not many people can say that. And Frank Reich, in a, alongside Doug Peterson, of course, did a fantastic job extracting whatever was left out of um, uh, out of uh, Nick Foles, right? And so he parlayed that going to the uh, going to the Colts. Who, by the way, he thought he was going to coach Andrew Luck. Nope, Andrew Luck decides to retire. It, it was kind of a shit show there in, in in Indianapolis. Even then, he tried to make that situation work, and now he goes here to Carolina, and they think he probably thought, hey, C.J. Stroud might be a better fit for what I'm trying to do. And then they end up going with Bryce Young. So he has had a string of bad luck really as a head coach. So yeah, he deserves responsibility for the one in 10 start. No question about it. But the team also did not put themselves in the best position. They didn't get the best quarterback for Reich system. They didn't have an O-line to protect that quarterback. Not to say Bryce Young is done. I just think as of right now, He's not. what CJ Stroud is doing compared to Bryce Young yeah, it's looking like you flopped. That's just how it is, but it's a small sample size. And there's got to be a fall guy somewhere. However, paying a guy $25 million to not coach, I think they would have been better off letting him finish off the season, seeing if they could fix this internally. And then if it doesn't work out or whatever, maybe you, maybe you fire him at the end of the season instead of in the middle of it. But hey, that's what it is. To be quite honest, I think Reich might be better suited as an offensive no. coordinator anyway, more so than a head coach. He, he, did him a, he did him a favor because I didn't think he wanted to be there much longer anyway. Sometimes the employer does you a favor, fires you, and pays you on the way out the door. Ask Jimbo Fisher. You, 
of of your exactly of your efforts to the tune of 75 million dollars in Jimbo Fisher's Ooh. um in his case. So I don't know how much for Frank Reich, but it's definitely 25. a pretty penny. 25, 25 got 25 you. million. Yeah. Still still great in terms oh, yeah. of from that perspective. Hell, take a year off, go broadcast, pull a Doc Rivers before you want to jump back in. You how know, Doc Rivers is is, is broadcasting. You know, so, Frank, we're hiring here at ESPN. You know, we gotta go. Hey, <laughs> you pull it, pull a Jeff Saturday. Go from the sideline back to the booth and then back to the sideline. Shout out to Jeff Saturday on ESPN, one of my favorites. But um, I just think ultimately, Chris, it's just gonna come down to what guy is the right guy to mold Bryce Young? Because David, I'm sorry, Doug Peterson was the right guy for Trevor for Lawrence. Trevor yes. Lawrence. Mm-hmm. It's turning out, didn't look like it at first, but it turns out that Russell Wilson, his whisperer, turned out to be Sean Payton. Pete Carroll? Nope. Uh, I, so it's not Pete Carroll or Sean Payton. It is Sean Payton. That's okay. That's, I that's said it. Sean Payton, and you. Kept I didn't hear doing, you. My, okay. my my bad. Is this my thing bad. on Sean, over here? I, I just I, said I, Sean Payton. I, I pulled. I pulled a complete blank, and my partner couldn't help me out for a second. Or at least I, I didn't. Hear I, I did. But, I did. But it turns okay. turns out Sean Payton is a whisperer for Russell Wilson. No, I we didn't help know. you. We don't know who the – it turns out that Mike McCarthy has gotten Dak Prescott to play the best nice football job, of his yeah. life. It looks like um, Dan Campbell is the whisperer for Jared Goff. We have to find the right guy for the right person. And mm-hmm. who is the guy that's going to mold Bryce Young? Could it be Eric Bieniemy? I don't know. I don't think he's going to get a shot, especially after what's going on in Washington. I'm just curious to know who that guy is, because if you get the right guy with the right coach or Kevin O'Connell and. uh, I would, you know, you know, Kevin Kevin O'Connell and uh, uh, Kirk Cousins. Well, now Josh Dobbs and now Josh Dobbs, who had a horrible performance. You know, I, I like. I, first of all, I liked Eric Bieniemy going to Carolina in the first place. I thought, especially young quarterback, he's going to be able to work with either C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. But it's also you could have Bill Belichick, you could have any of these great coaches. Fuck, you could have Don Shula or Tom Landry. You got to have the right pieces around him. You have to have a capable offensive line. You have to have a running game. You have to have reliable uh, receivers. You have to have all of these things, Chaz. That's that's what that's what it really comes down to. It's all the pieces coming together. And even by the way, we weren't sure with Sean Payton and and the Broncos uh, to start the season because they were horrendous. They were one and five at one point. They have clearly figured some things out. They've gotten on the same page. Their defense is is rolling. Uh, the, Cortland Sutton is probably one of the better receivers in the game. They got a solid run game. They're utilizing the tight ends. They're doing a really nice job. I would like to see Eric Bieniemy in Carolina. I, I mean, there's a there, there's a lot of other guys you could see. Cliff Kingsbury did a really nice job with Kyler Murray. He's you know I don't know how much longer he's going to be at USC as a quarterback consultant or whatever the hell his position is. But I'm sure he would like another shot at the NFL. Putting him with Bryce Young wouldn't be the worst thing either. You know offensive guru so what we shall see and then who's the who's the uh the the offensive coordinator for the eagles 
uh, took over for right. Shane Steichen. It's Brad uh, Johnson. Yeah, I'd like, Brad Johnson. I, yeah, so I mean, he could. I'd, be... I'd like to see Byron Leftwich get a get a get a shot. Finally, sure. I yeah. mean, he won a championship with Tom, with Tom Brady. If Tom Brady can stamp him, he's been in this league. Let's give Byron Left Left with a ch- Left with which a chance. No maybe doubt. Brian, maybe Brian Flores. Maybe you know. Yeah. We'll 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 see. But ultimately, I just wonder if Caleb Williams is actually going to come out. He says it's going to be a game time decision, acting like he doesn't want to come out, doesn't want to go to Chicago, but he probably should. That might be the best thing for him. Mm. especially if Chicago does the right thing and gets him Marvin Harrison Jr. at the same time to go with DJ Moore and that run game that they have, which seems to be pretty decent because the Bears have won a, a couple games now. So, hey, we'll see what happens with the rest of this NFL season and the NBA in-season tournament. What a great show, man. What a great amount of stuff we got going on. And next week, make sure you guys tune in because we will have a lot to talk about with MLB's winter meetings. And we are all on Otani watch. Is he going to Chicago, San Francisco, or is he just blowing smoke to just finally come to the Dodgers? We'll get into all of that next week as well. But Chris, before we go, tell them where they can follow you. and What are some of your last thoughts? Okay, well, before – okay, so you could always follow me on Twitter. Let's get the easy part out of the way first. Twitter, at Chris underscore Camelo. Instagram, Camelo one at the Outlet Forum on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. Okay, that's one thing I want to point out. The other thing, Chaz and I, announcement alert, will be guests on our good pal Jonathan Watson's podcast, the Sports For You podcast, next week. They, they do a YouTube Live. Chaz and I are going to be on for a lot of that show. We're going to be talking NFL, NBA, college, whatever. Jonathan Watson is our guy. Going back to our Showtime Forum days where we were. Uh, yeah, I mean, that dude, him and I used to co-host the um, the Showtime Forum halftime uh, Instagram Live. Chaz and him used to do uh, the post-game show post-game, well, yeah. on, on YouTube. When, the, year, the year the Lakers won the championship. Exactly, exactly. When Devon couldn't make it, I know you had you and John did that together. So very excited to, to, uh, be, to be on there with him next week. So busy week for us next week, but we're looking forward to it. So also shout out to uh, uh, follow uh, the Sports For You podcast on YouTube and Twitter. I just wanted to little plug alert there Chaz my man shout out guys and follow me on Instagram at Chaz P on Twitter at Chaz Pearson you guys know what it is well thank you guys for listening another great week another great show tune in next week to the sports for you podcast and we will be coming with our own heat as usual every week every Thursday at 1 p.m catch you guys next week thank you guys for tuning in peace (music) 